Actually, an ad for the Lisa. Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. And more importantly, that was not a documentary about, uh, is, is it uh, 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 Shenzhen? Is that what? No, yeah, it's not It's not a Foxconn documentary. Oh, Foxconn, that's right, yeah. yeah. Han High Precision Company's Foxconn in Shenzhen. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. A Taiwan-based yeah, industry. Yeah, Ryan, you're so close, too. Uh, that was a trailer for Netflix's upcoming Rolled Dolls Matilda the Musical, a film adaptation of the classic story, which was based on the very successful musical, stage musical, which is technically a different thing from the Danny DeVito film. Also a great film. That is coming to Netflix and some cinemas December 25th. This looks really good. <laughs> Uh, so, already, dude. So the, it's over a the top musical thing. movie based on a musical that was made adapting the story, and that story was also made into a film with Danny DeVito. Correct. I mean, eventually, and I mean, what isn't? DeVito. Yeah, but uh, looks it looks it looks really really good. Uh, Matilda is like a really good story. Just the trailer looks very. It reminds me a lot of the movie. I watch the movie a lot, so uh, yeah, looks good. December twenty fifth. Uh, I really like Danny DeVito's work right up into the uh, uh, um, Jersey Mike's commercials he's been doing. Oh, I don't know. I've I've only seen him on closed captioning, but I'm a fan of those, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on to the primary target. The sizzle. Netflix thinks it's like 2000. 12 in here and just make trying to make all the news for us this week we have other things to talk about netflix but here we go uh monday netflix launched its profile transfer feature that's the one that can let you migrate a profile from an existing account to a brand new account the transfer lets you take your personalized recommendations your viewing history your my list any saved games uh, and other settings so if you're moving out you know, and getting your own house, getting your own Netflix account. Uh, you don't have to lose all those settings because it's on your parents' account. Or if Netflix has, has discovered you're sharing an account and kicks you off, you won't have to lose all your settings. Uh, that's live. We, we we already knew about this. We've talked about it before, but it's live. I, I don't think there's much more to say about that, right, Brian? Uh, uh, that we- no, outside of uh, uh, it's about dang time. Because guess it's what? My, my daughter was eight when when we needed this and now she's 18 and doesn't live with us anymore so yes yeah there we go uh netflix is also trying to buy a former u.s army base in fort monmouth new jersey not to start a military organization but to build a production studio uh it would almost be as big as the one they already built in albuquerque new mexico they need that because the company releases metric tons of content. Netflix released 1,026 original episodes in the last three months. That's five times what Amazon released. Uh, and Netflix released 1,026 original episodes. Amazon released 223, Hulu 194, Disney Plus 140, and HBO Max 114. Listen, Netflix, we know your fans. We know here on Court Killers, we lean into revolutionary, bombastic military jargon 
But that doesn't mean you have to go off buying actual military bases. <laughs> we appreciate the effort. Just stand down, as it were. You also don't need to make that much content, do you? Like uh, I, I mean, I'm going to guess that they have an actuary somewhere that says, yes, if you want to continue to expand deeper into, uh, because at this point, as, as we've talked about, domestically, Netflix has spread over just about all the territory it can. By, by allowing you to migrate accounts out, you now capture young adults as they're leaving the nest and so on. And the only way left to, to you know, much, much like fracking, the, all that's left is to drill and get every ounce out of all of us until... Uh, until we just watch screens all the time. <laughs> Netflix, fracking the human mind. That's right, it is. Uh, you might make a snide crack about the quality uh, when you make that many shows, but Netflix apparently has enough confidence in one market to come clean in public about its ratings. Uh, Netflix joined Barb, a nonprofit organization that measures TV ratings in the UK. Barb will begin including Netflix in its published ratings starting the second week of November. Uh, Barb says Netflix is the most accessed streaming service in the UK and accounts for 8% of all TV viewing that happens in the UK. Uh, Nielsen offers Netflix ratings in the U.S. Netflix has not cooperated with them, often has disputed their accuracy, but not for long. Why? Because Netflix Basic with Ads has launched, or at least it's been announced. It will launch November 1st in Canada and Mexico. So quit saying you never get anything first. You get Netflix basic with ads first. Tom, uh, Tom, Tom, I value our one Canadian and our one Mexican viewer <laughs> listener. Let's yeah. not gripe about them. <laughs> we have many, many Canadian and Mexico listener. Uh, that will follow November 1st in Australia, Brazil, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Korea, Spain, and the UK, and of course the United States. Netflix made the US launch on November 3rd. Uh, as its highlight in the announcement, the ad-supported service, this is the part you've been waiting for, costs you $6.99 a month. Uh, basic with ads will support 720p HD. And if you're like, well, wait a minute, the basic without ads plan doesn't even support 720p HD, uh, it will, starting November 3rd. Uh, it's $9.99 a month still, but it gets upgraded from being standard def to 720p. Uh, so movies and TV shows have a license that prevents Netflix from showing them next to ads. So Netflix estimates about five to 10% of the catalog, depending on the market, won't be available on basic with ads. Another quirk you'll have to include date of birth and gender when you're signing up for basic with ads, something they don't care about on the other tiers, but you'll have to tell them so that they can properly target you with ads. Uh, Variety says Netflix told buyers it expects to have 4.4 million users on the ad supported plan by the end of the year. Uh, and the way advertisers know their ad showed is not just say, uh, pretty please don't lie to me, Netflix. Uh, they are going to look to Nielsen and Barb. That's why Netflix joined Barb in the UK and Variety says Nielsen's digital ad rating service in the US will become available for Netflix basic with ads sometime in 2023. Uh, so I have an observation and a question, Tom. Uh, the observation is one of my favorite things on the planet is when something has been right under my nose the entire time and somehow we didn't see it. We have been reporting on the fact that Nielsen is always trying to figure out Netflix's numbers. And for over a year, we've been talking, I've been saying, uh, nobody should care if, if unless you're an advertiser or Netflix, you shouldn't care what your numbers are. And if you're Netflix, you already know what the numbers are and you don't need Nielsen poking around. 
uh, separately, we've talked about the the Netflix ads coming, and I don't know how it didn't occur to me that all of that obfuscation, all of that pooping on Netflix that or uh, on Nielsen that Netflix has been doing has maybe had a purpose, which leads me to my question: Has this been a tactical move on Netflix's part to kind of kind of keep uh, uh, Nielsen dancing so that they they didn't come in and uh, like it seems to me that the less trustworthy Nielsen's footing is, the more power Netflix has to negotiate a good deal with Nielsen now that they need Nielsen to legitimize, to bless their numbers to advertisers. Has has that been the game they've been playing for over a year? I Probably not, is my guess. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but my gut tells me, I get, uh, that what Netflix has been doing is we're never going to do ads. So we don't care uh, that that listener number is only useful internally. And so we're not going to tell anybody it because why give away information that you don't need to give away, that there's there's no possible reason to give away until at some point there were competitors and they said, oh, well, they're hearing all these big numbers about that. So we'll let them tell, we'll, we'll tell this number uh, because it's good for PR. And at this point, they're like, oh, we're selling ads. Uh, clients want independent measurement of whether their ad showed or not. Great. We'll bring Nielsen in. Uh, and they will measure the ads. I don't think there's a getting a better deal or not. I could be wrong about that, uh, but I feel like it, it was more Netflix just saying, well, we didn't need to until we needed to, and, well, and now, now we do. Let me try couching it slightly differently. When Nielsen was grabbing all of the headlines saying, we've got the real Netflix numbers, that was a claim that was begging for legitimacy from Netflix. Netflix is not in the business of giving anything away, least of all, their blessing to, to information about their listener or viewers. So it would make sense, uh, restated a little bit softer, not as a negotiation thing, but it's like, if we're going to say these numbers are right and we know it because we broadcast a carrier signal that is picked up by, by Nielsen, then, uh, then they're going to get paid for that. They're not going to give that away for free. Yeah, I mean, there certainly is a negotiation in any of these sort of things. Uh, I, I feel like ne Nielsen wasn't saying anything to Netflix when they put Netflix in the ratings. Nielsen was saying, hey, everybody, <laughs> don't forget about me, Mr. Nielsen. I still do things that are relevant. Look, I can rate Netflix. I, Netflix doesn't want me to do it, but I can do it. That's like, how amazing you know, I am. I've had a and, lot of free time lately. Just hanging around. It's me, Ted Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I really don't I really don't think it was about Netflix so much as as saying like, oh, everybody seems to want Netflix ratings and Netflix doesn't seem to want to give their numbers out. But that's what we do. Uh, and we're we're going to sell that product to Disney and we're going to sell it to HBO Max. And, you know, so we might as well throw Netflix in there to show that we can do it uh, as a demonstration. But at this point, I think where these stories are going to go is, well, wait a minute. That's just the Netflix number with ads. Uh does that mean that show is popular on the tiers without ads? Because uh, it just says they're going to rate the basic with ads tier. Uh, I'm sure they'll have numbers for the other tiers, possibly, but those won't necessarily be published uh, any more than they already are. There, there are some aggregate Nielsen Netflix numbers that are published. Maybe they'll be able to say they're more accurate. But, but again, Netflix is only signing up like, well, we just need you to rate the stuff with ads. Okay, so... Let's say a year from now, the next Squid Game hits, 
It's called Octopus Hijinks. And or Squid Game Season 2. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is even bigger than Squid Game. <laughs> okay, right, it's Octopus right. Hijinks. Right, uh, and it's and so, <laughs> so what Netflix wants to say, and Nielsen is entitled to say, is Octopus Hijinks is the number one Netflix with ads show. Do they, do they work with Nielsen to validate the rest of the numbers that Netflix knows internally? Or do, or in the middle of, Ted Nielsen's, too many metaphors. When Ted Nielsen says Octopus Hijinks is the number one ad supported show, then, then Ted Netflix jumps out and says, uh, and there's even more people who are watching it without ads. Yeah. I, I don't think Nielsen really cares. As, as long as people are buying Nielsen stuff, I think Nielsen's like, okay, we have those ratings. They've been doing those ratings that Netflix is a part of every week. We, we've mentioned them every so often on the show. They'll keep doing those. Uh, if Netflix disputes them, well, they'll probably dispute them less because they have a contract here and Nielsen will probably like not try to con conflict with Netflix as much because they have a business relationship that's closer. But overall, that's all just going to be the same. And then there will be, yeah, the the number that's like, hey, we're we're Todd Netflix, and this is our most. Uh, you you think that basic with ads number is big? By golly, look at this big number. Uh, maybe that's also the number without ads. We can't say for sure, but it sure is a big number. Like I, you're going to still see that kind of stuff out there, and. And Nielsen, I don't think Nielsen cares. I think we ascribe too much enmity uh, to the relationship. I, Nielsen just wants people to buy the numbers they sell. Well, speaking of octopus hijinks, who's got eight arms and a dollar per episode? You, 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 you should go to patreon.com slash cord killers. Keep us loud, live, and independent. Get your own RSS feed. Get exclusive access to our after talk segment. Get early access to spoiler in time. And boy, oh boy, do we have a heck of a show for you guys tonight. Of course, bosses are going to get it early. They're the only people we love as much as we, we should love a boss. Head on over to patreon.com slash cord killers. Okay. Yeah. We can't say, because we don't have independent ratings, how many of our patrons are octopuses or not. I but mean, we, we, we tried once to have everybody raise their hands. It was a big mess. We made a lot of work for ourselves. <laughs> so a lot of dividing by eight, but then we're like, oh, Bryce is not liking all of the dad humor that's happening right now. <laughs> uh, but here's my point, Bryce. Here's my point. Thank you. Let's get to the point. It doesn't matter if you're an octopus or not. Octopuses <laughs> may be smarter than everyone else on the planet. They may not. But we welcome everyone to back us at patreon.com slash cord killers. Yeah, that's where you get to find out stuff like how to watch. Oh. And under surveillance. No, that's a nope. No, never mind. I messed it up. I I tried to do Tom's <laughs> job. Take the right. Brian Mr. has Brush a Brian Ryan. job, and Tom has a Tom job, <laughs> and shouldn't try to cross those streams. It was a good. It was a good. It was going so well. Uh, ESPN Digital Programming VP John Lasker told Deadline that the advantage of ESPN Plus over ESPN is that it can hold a larger audience by showing all the games the audience is interested in rather than being limited to three or four games on the available channels on cable. Uh, generally, a cable service has ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN University, uh, and ESPN uh, News. Sometimes it only has ESPN News, ESPN, and ESPN2. There's a few other college-related uh, networks out there, but not all cable services had them. With ESPN Plus, though, you just have ESPN Plus and all the games they can show you. So on September 17th, ESPN Plus aired 52 
live college football games and generated its most viewership ever on a single day because they didn't have to pick which games went on the limited number of cable channels they had. And people were willing to watch at least some of all 52 games. So this sort of resonates with what we were talking about with Netflix drilling deep here dom domestically. Uh, yeah, right. Bryce, are you familiar with the um, paradox of measuring the coast of England? Have you ever heard of this? Oh, yes, where uh, you, you can technically increase the... The, the the circumference of England by increasing the fidelity of your measurement, not all not all the way as high as you want, but ultimately up to a upper limit, right? Well, well, uh, uh, or it's it's a kind of a Zeno's arrow paradox where where theoretically there's a bound maximum, but it will always keep increasing. Uh, the idea is if you use yardsticks, you're going to get one number. If you use uh, one foot, because it's England, so you have to use imperial units. Uh, if you do one inch, you're going to actually get every is metric, but. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, every crack and crevice. God, you can't even let me. Tom's got a Tom job, which is to correct Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, and then, and then finally, uh, you eventually get to infinity. So uh, it feels like well, it infinitely grows, but it doesn't get to infinity. Correct. It's, it's it forever a, it's grows. An infinite it's line bound. within a finite boundary. Is that right? Yes. yes. It's it's okay. It's, okay. So it's why we have calculus. But my point being it. is that uh, ESPN now gets to play the coast of England game, where it's like uh, you get everybody who likes sports is going to get ESPN plus, and then they could just keep on drilling deeper. Uh, I often say in storytelling, I think of uh, personally, I think of uh, Twitter as like the atomic unit of storytelling. It's it's the irreducible smallest amount of storytelling you can do. So uh, if if you you've got you know the Super Bowl, you've got uh, uh, all of football, you've got college football, you've got uh, commentary, pregame, postgame, and then and then you keep on getting down to podcasts about the trailer uh, party before and after, and, and then eventually you get to tweets. Uh, this all seems very, very smart. I can see a future 10 years from now where ESPN's app has its own Twitter-like environment for people who are all the way in the depths of the, the tiniest, very specific niche. Yeah, I think what's fascinating to me is there is a unit cost minimum to show a game. I, I've watched some some college games. I've watched some minor league games, uh, minor league baseball games on, on ESPN. And I'm always stunned that I'm like, wow, they, they're literally paying to stream these two obscure Massachusetts college baseball teams playing each other. And it's basically one camera, maybe two cameras. Uh, I don't even know if both cameras have a person behind them and one person calling the game. And it's like, okay, so ESPN has mastered the, the, here's how you do a presentable broadcast with the minimum amount of cost. Uh, and then that's the, the, the metric of like, if we can get enough people to pay for that, it's worth doing now do as many of those as possible. Like you say, some of them will be Super Bowl level and they'll, they'll pay for themselves a million times over. Uh, but if some of them are, you know, only making a little bit of a profit, it doesn't matter because it's an inexhaustible source because people love sports and people love to see their own team. And as long as you can guarantee that certain amount, then do as many of them as you can and, and just pour them in there because you no longer have this idea of, well, I'm competing against the other things on cable and I only have a certain amount of channels that I can push my content out. Well, and some of those channels aren't on every cable system. ESPN Plus is available for everyone who has the internet uh, and every game is available equally to every subscriber to ESPN Plus, uh, which 
is one of those things that you don't think about when you're talking about like, well, we, we go from cable to internet. What, what do we get? Uh, this is one I, I haven't heard as many people talking about. Like your service can fundamentally change in this way. Uh, it, it, it's fascinating. Well, think, think about the so-called sunk costs, the, the fixed costs that go into this, the branding for ESPN, the history yep. of ESPN, the logo of ESPN, the, streaming the style Bible for ESPN, the kind of shots they do and they don't do. There's no reason that right now, technologically speaking, we couldn't have an AI announcer possibly using samples from their top tier talent uh, uh, call the game while an AI takes a single robotic camera, follows the action yeah. of a baseball game or what have you, have you. Yeah. We're not that far away from the camera thing being possible, certainly. Uh, and you, you, you certainly could, you know, have somebody who types fast, you know, feeding a simulator uh, of a good announcer voice uh, and, and, and having it say all, all the right things. I, I, I think we're just beginning to see what this unleashes. This is one of those moments where I think VP John Lasker uh, is, is telling people things that are either going to go over their head or are going to make them think, wait a minute, you know, he can do that with sports. I can do that with X. I mean, it is essentially what Netflix did, which is like, we're not limited. That's why they can have 1,026 original programs because they've never been limited by channels. They've only been limited like, do we think enough people will watch this to keep them subscribed? Great worth doing. Yeah. Uh, last thought on that. It, it occurs to me that the only caution I would think of is if you're reducing the value of your brand by having increasingly kind of lo-fi content down at the very, very bottom at the smallest parts, but they have no competition. There's nobody yeah. to be compared with. And all of these agreements are, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're locked in. So yeah, go for it. Squeeze. Uh, uh, as my 14 year old daughter told me, get that bag, yo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's what ESPN is doing. They are getting that bag, yo. <laughs> Punching bags. Uh, just just one more little thing here. I watch uh, the BC Lions Canadian Football League uh, team on ESPN+, and it amuses me that when they're carrying the game on ESPN cable, all the graphics say ESPN. They have the ESPN ticker at the bottom and all of that. But when it's just on ESPN+, I just get the Canadian broadcast graphics and promos and, and, and everything. Uh, they, they don't care. They're like, yeah, we got to make it look pretty on cable. But when it's on the app, people know where they, what app they started to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's going to be pretty easy to fix system wide. Like you, you get will one programmer right. to write a scalable kind yeah. of kind of format for everything. But right now they're like, really, it doesn't matter that much. Like, yeah. we'll get to it later. It's low on the priority list. Uh, what is not low on the priority list is what to watch, or as Brian called it, <laughs> under surveillance. One criticism of House of the Dragon has been huge time jumps in the story, uh, so much so that in the first season, uh, two main parts and several supporting parts had to be recast with older actors to accommodate the, the move forward in time. You know, if a character is six years old and then you jump 10 years forward, you can't have the six-year-old play the 16-year-old. Uh, George R. R. Martin wrote on his blog that he thinks it's okay to do that because they only get 10 episodes per season. He wrote, if House of the Dragon had 13 episodes per season, maybe we could have shown all the things we had to time jump over, though that would have risked having some viewers complain that the show was too slow, that nothing happened. He estimates 
that it should take about 40 episodes, given what they're doing now, so four full seasons, in his opinion, to tell the full story of the Dance of the Dragons as related in the book Fire and Blood. Uh, it, Hypothetically, it's something else in the book, but yeah. Uh, uh, 10 years ago, us, wouldn't we say this is the perfect opportunity to do what used to be called webisodes? Because uh, I remember watching some of those like seven minute vignettes uh, during the Breaking Bad days, uh, watching Badger's adventures of trying to break into a house or whatever. Uh, and I liked them quite a bit, but I, I, I only remember that one, <laughs> which yeah. maybe is a good testament to the fact that that would be a waste of time. <laughs> It's inter it's interesting question is like what's the purpose of that? It, because if it was worth the budget of sh you know and the time then they certainly shooting, would have done it. Then why you know then well or okay HBO Max is like why is HBO Max only asking for ten episodes probably budget. So at that point it's like well we're not going to pay for you to put it in the main episode we're certainly not going to pay you to make a webisode out of it and do, do if it's a promotional tool how much promotion do you need for a house of uh, for a, a a game of thrones show mm. yeah if it's going to bring in money who's going to subscribe to a specific tier of like hbo or hbo max just to see webisodes not, not not a lot of uh, undecided voters in that demographic yeah. either in or out <laughs> and and you you don't like a theory video would make a good webisode, you know, like somebody maybe even get George R. R. Martin to be like, well, some people think this is why this happened. Some people think that with cool illustrations, which is way cheaper to do. Well, if you're talking about filling in the gaps in the story, though, if if you're not going to do them as theory, then you have to shoot them and they're the same cost as shooting the show. So you're back to square one of like, yeah, but we, we can't afford that. But what if it's just not as good as the show either? Mm -hmm. That would make yeah. it cheaper. Yeah. Which is what, what he was saying is like, and eh, then people people complain that we do time jumps. People complain if we don't do time jumps that things are too slow. Can't have nice things. I guess I guess I'm just longing for a shakeup of formats somewhere between two to three hour movies and hour-ish TV shows. I, I and I know I'm watching House of the Dragon. I know you're not. Uh I will say that who it these these episodes are usually an hour, sometimes an hour plus. And they never feel like it. It's always about the pacing. It's, if, if you get the pacing right, it kind of doesn't matter how long your show is. Yeah. Uh, William Hurt played the role of Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross in five Marvelville films, starting with The Incredible Hulk. Uh, Hurt died this year, though. Uh, and people have been wondering, well, are they just going to write him out? Are they going to recast him? And the answer is they're recasting him with Harrison Ford, who will play Ross in the Thunderbirds movie, which is coming July 26, 2024, uh, but he will first appear in Captain America New World Order on May 3rd, 2024. Tom, mm. as a fan, I had a dangerous thought. Okay, so it's not they should have written him out because William Hurt died and that's just the way it goes. Oh, no, no, no. He's too important a character. Uh, he, it's in, not. In, in the... you, you should never recast him. Okay. Uh no, 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 no. You have to recast him because okay. uh, 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 Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross is, is too important a character. And it, yeah, you've got to recast him. Okay. It's uh, not, they should have done a, a, a deep fake uh, of William Hurt instead. I've yet to see a successful execution of that. Um, but I know what I felt my heart surprised me. And it was picturing... 
Harrison Ford in that role. And I just ask myself, again, dangerous thoughts. And I just want to explore the, the space. I'm not saying anything, mm -hmm, but I, mm -hmm. I thought to myself, when's the last time I really enjoyed Harrison Ford and he looked like he was having a good time in a role. And the last thing I thought of was when he was apparently to my eyes, high as a kite dressed as a hot dog on the Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel show in 2015, <laughs> which is seven years ago now. Wow. Yeah. Um, he was in Blade Runner 2049. You know what he, well, and, and his character was, was joyless and bitter at that point. And, and, and you know what? You're right. That is, that is the most recent time outside of that. I just remember thinking like, uh, Oh, Oh, I don't know that I want that the the current Harrison Ford flavor in my MCU, and that was a complicated set of feelings I had. I had a complicated and somewhat macabre reaction myself, which was, but Harrison Ford is also really old. Uh, that's true. I mean, possibly older than William Hurt was. I yeah. So wouldn't you? I I, I mean, love Harrison Ford. These right? are dangerous totally thoughts. What, we're totally having. get what you're saying. Uh, and 10 years ago would have been like, oh, what an interesting pick. It's not exactly like William Hurt and Harrison Ford are alike, uh, but I can see it. I can see him picking up Thunderbolt Ross and it'll be his own Thunderbolt Ross. But in 2022, I think, well, gosh, it's a little risky to cast someone who's 80 years old, but you know, especially someone who flies. Uh, but also <laughs> who, who flies and crash lands on golf yeah, courses and, and, and breaks has, legs has literally crash landed. Uh, on the other hand, I also am surprised because it seems like Harrison Ford's mode of operations has been, yeah, I'll play a character as long as they die. And I, I'm like, does this mean Thaddeus Hurt is going to die in the Thunderbolt movies? And then, then, then you can wash his hands of it. Cause he does. Oh, you know what? Actually, if that is the case, that does simplify things uh, in given the, uh, what what little I've heard about the the yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what, what what's it called yeah the Thunderbolts um, uh, it, it would track for the for that character to die yeah so and and maybe that's it uh, may, and, and then it's not as risky because it's not an ongoing uh, part uh, and Bryce, Harrison dude, Ford may Harrison Ford may have called like hey. Are you going to have Thunderbolt Ross die? I'd love to play him then. Put me in. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm, you, you've turned me all the way around. Uh, Bryce, do you have a strong attachment to Harrison Ford or Thunderbolt Ross? I had to look up who Thunderbolt Ross is, and I'm very sorry, William Hurt, but I did not recognize him from these. I didn't. I don't remember from Civil War or a Hulk movie or these Avengers movies, but... Uh, um, uh, I, I always remember him from the cartoons as like that. That was... Uh, uh, what, what's her that. name's dad? Uh, uh, Bruce Banner's love interest. Uh it doesn't uh, matter. I'm old. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, but but uh, uh, this is interesting. Uh, I, I, it, recasting, especially in the MCU, seems like it would be really touchy. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Is there precedent for them to recast an MCU? Yeah, person? dude. Uh, remember when uh, uh, what's, his, what's, what's his name uh, uh, got replaced with the new Rhodey? Um, Lucius uh, from... <laughs> From Empire. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. What's his name? <laughs> um, Crap. Uh, uh, what? The guy from, from Empire, though. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Howard. Howard. Terrence Howard. Howard. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, why can I not access Rhodey's name? Because we're old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, this was not one that hits home, but I like Harrison Ford. I would like to see what Harrison Ford does in one of these movies, because these movies are so self-serious that I would love to see him not give an F. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. A uh, couple of pieces of information about Peacock here. Uh, Peacock's going to test a feature on its Roku app that will let viewers of episodes of season three of Real Housewives access extended clips and extra footage from within the episode. So not like, oh, I'm on the page for the show and I can choose the bonus clips. You'll be watching along and it'll say, hey, do you want to see, you know, the extended version of this conversation? And then you can just roll it right in in context. Uh, season huh. three of the series premieres next year. And at launch, uh, premium subscribers will be able to interact with three episodes of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. That's interesting. W would you stop the action to chase this kind of uh, extra content down? Either of you guys? Uh, if no, it would depend on what it is, right? Because the way that these shows work is they cut away to testimonials to tell mm -hmm. you what they're thinking. Like they already stop the action to do that. Yeah. Right? I now, was going to say, but the closest thing I can think of is Top Chef. And in those, I watch Top Chef all the way through. And then I'll be like, oh, there's there's more of, of that interaction. And now that I'm invested and have seen how the story plays out, I will now watch more of that. I don't know if a, if a little pop-up came and said, hey, you want to you see how this dish went wrong? Click here. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting. I think the most powerful thing would be to take something out of the show to give some agency to the viewer of whose testimonial do you want to hear in a couple of seconds? And maybe they figure out a way to make it feel really seamless. But then you're putting a lot of responsibility on the viewer versus the creative team who made the show to tell one story. So uh, I would like to see what this looks like. I'm a, I'm an old timer on the, House of, on the Real Housewives, but uh, I'd give it a try. This feels like the kind of decision I would prefer to make at the beginning of a story. Do you want the version, where, the long version? Where, where Clippy pops up and asks, uh, would you like to know what they're thinking? Or the version where it just, you know, somebody does it. Yeah. Or if, if they're, we're at the end of a scene or, a, you know, one of these vignettes that they do uh, and they go, hey, did you want to see more of that? Do you want we've got extra little bits I could see I could see some ways of making that work, but it just depends on what that extra content actually looks yeah, like. Yeah, the inter the interface is going to make a huge difference here, uh, and I would like the option to say, uh, you know, let's say a very non intrusive thing says, "Hey, this this conversation will continue. You can choose to continue it mm -hmm. right now uh, or not." I would like also the option to say you know what, I want to watch this after. Remind me when I'm done with the episode. I don't want to interrupt the flow right now, but I'm, I'm curious about seeing what else was in there afterwards. Yeah, that that would be interesting too, because then you get to keep the flow of the show that they put together. Yeah. And then you get to say, hey, I'm a most best fan. Let me see more stuff. And you're just already hooked in. Because HBO does that with their extras on their shows. They just throw right. them in there. You just leave yeah. them on. They just tell you, hey, stick around if you want to watch it, which is so, a really easy UI flow. Just keep watching. Just customizing that. So like the post-roll extras are not just hard-coded in there. They're they're dynamically inserted based on your your preferences. It would be kind of a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now mm -hmm. that you phrased it that way, this feels like a solution looking for a problem. Uh, hmm. Because you're right. I think the way they do it with the extras on HBO Max is just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's different with, with reality shows, though. I, Although I guess if I'm, you know, watching Hacks and they're like, hey, there's a deleted scene. You want us to play it? Or just well, it's like, well, it. not now. I'm watching this narrative experience that you finally well, crafted for but me. NBC but the deleted scene originally was in there in this place. Do you want it or do you want the edited version? I know what I for sure don't want is to make a decision <laughs> while I'm watching Hacks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I you know, think that's the bigger thing. NBC yeah, yeah. Has, has tried this out on Hulu before with some of their comedies where 
the the day after version that goes up is like a director's cut or an extended cut where it's a few minutes longer. Yeah. And I, I kind of like how forceful that is sometimes of like, we're the episode six out. We've got the long version. You're just going to watch the long version. That's what we're putting on Hulu, which is fine. Cause you, I don't even notice it in a lot of cases. Yeah. I, I think this, this, you know, Brian, you're right. I, I don't want to make decisions. So I think in a reality show situation, I could see this working on home and garden stuff too, where it's like, Hey, you want to see more of this house? Sometimes I, I may may not. Sometimes I might. I'd be like, "Ooh, really? Yeah, I really like this house. I wanted to see more. Actually, Show me more." The yeah. the more could be um, you watch the transformation of the dirty house becomes clean house, disorganized becomes organized, or whatever. And then it's like, do you want to watch the locked off stop motion uh, time lapse or whatever? And it's like, yes, I want to spend sixty seconds of dopamine watching in real, you know, almost real time. Yeah, it it yeah, become yeah. clean. Totally. Uh, I would like to apologize to NBC Universal for using Discovery Warner Brothers uh, examples for everything in the story about <laughs> NBC Universal. <laughs> uh, Meta announced that Peacock is going to be available in the Quest Store soon. Uh, so if you have a Quest VR headset, uh, it'll be a two D experience. Uh, watching Peacock, you know, you'll just sit back and there'll be a virtual screen. It'll be a nice big screen, right? Cause you're in VR, but, uh, but it'll be there. Uh, Netflix is already there. A few others are there. So Peacock's going to be one of them now. So we've seen various iterations of this on the Vive, on the Quest, on the Quest 2 and so on. Now with the Quest Pro, I, I, I've only logged in long enough for the novelty of seeing it. I can understand the benefit of the in the theater experience of sitting next to a friend and watching it. I know this is a broken record kind of thing with VR. It's perpetually just a little bit down the road. It's like a mirage. Uh, but between the high-resolution display, the fact that it's not a front-loaded brick that's weighing down the, your face, is it possible that this would be a comfortable way to watch television, question mark? Yeah, I, I was really into this when it first showed up on the Quest Go. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I can just I can just listen, you know, earbuds in. Uh, watch a show. It'll be a big screen, bigger than any screen I could fit in my house. And it just, it, I watched it once and I was like, yeah, it was kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and I really think that's it. Like until the headsets get perfectly comfortable. And I know the pro that they just announced last week has the battery in the back and it's supposed to be a lot more comfortable, but like until it's like, oh yeah, I can wear this all day. That kind of glasses. I, I don't think people will do this a lot. But I also think it's table stakes for these companies to be like, yeah, it, it's not that many developer hours to make a version that, that runs on the Quest, so we should do it because we'll get a few extra views. Now, uh, there is special use cases, like, for example, if uh, you know your spouse goes to bed earlier than you and you're sitting right, next right, and you right. want to watch your things without disturbing your significant other. Yep, yep. All right, uh, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Brian, what have you been watching? Finally watched Coda. It took, uh, what, a year? I, I think it won Best Picture. Was it earlier this year? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 for, for a year. I've just casually mentioned it over and over and over again. And apparently this is the week that my 14-year-old daughter says, hey, maybe we could watch that Coda thing. <laughs> I was like, okay. Loved it. Uh, I think it was the Best Picture of last year. <laughs> 
so you, you liked it. So, you, so once you watched it, you were like, oh, okay, I could see. I could see why that would be I mean, the best I, picture. I expected all of the heart-wrenching family moments. There's a lot of daddy-daughter energy in there. What I yep. did not expect is to laugh so hard and so often at, at all the crass sign language. Loved all of that very, very much. Yeah. It is to me, I, I don't really know, but it feels like the benefit of actually having members of the community you're making the movie about very deeply integrated into producing your movie so that they're like, oh, you know, what's really funny when we, you know, when this happens, well, right? It, it's interesting you bring that up because we were speaking on the Weird Things podcast today about like, why is Tom Cruise, who's going to have his face digitally altered to look younger, going up to the space station to make a movie? And the answer is, is because there's all these subtle little cues that you don't notice at the conscious level that unconsciously make it real. That's why Top yeah. Gun Maverick was such a blast, a high adrenaline experience to watch. And I would say it's a similar effect with authentic people who were raised uh, speaking American sign language and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and there are things that happen in the creative process that I think he'll say he'll probably run into something like, oh, I never really thought about that until I was up here doing it. Or I, I never noticed that that was even that, you know, there's that thing that everybody on the ISS takes for granted that the newbie goes like, wait, you do that? Like, I never heard about that. That's weird. So and, and I think the same goes for, for making Coda. People like will write something like, well, I assume it works like that. Like, well, maybe not really. You know, here's how it would actually go down in real life or here's how it's happened to me in the past. There's just those little things. And like you say, they, 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 they may not stand out on their own each time, but cumulatively, they just make things feel more authentic. <laughs> or, or as they say in the Mr. Plinkett reviews, you may not have noticed, but your brain did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched the BTS yet to come in Busan concert over the weekend. It was a free concert streamed free around the world. Uh, you'll see a lot of headlines out there saying they, they got, you know, close to 50 million people streaming. Um, I'm sure they had 50 million people try to stream. Uh, I have not yet found out if the fire at the data center that took out cacao talk contributed to this, but it crashed within two songs uh, of the concert starting. Uh, as soon as it got, to about 20 million people accessing it, it went down. Now, because I am a member of the Daily Tech News Show crowd, and there's a few crossovers in, in that crowd with the BTS crowd, uh, I knew that Naver, which is the top search engine in Korea, had a an app uh, that streams video, and they were also streaming it. So I smugly <laughs> switched over to Naver uh, and was like, well, we missed a little bit here, but uh, not a problem. We're, we're on the backup stream. And then it went down, <laughs> which I, I, that's the one where I'm like, Weverse might have been demand. It feels like Naver maybe went down because of that fire at the data center. Uh, and then uh, ended up uh, finding a restreamer on Twitch who was watching it on broadcast TV in Korea uh, and then just screen capturing it and putting it out over Twitch. That that lasted until the encore. Uh, and then somebody finally caught up with them and, and, and took them down. Uh, but it was a very old-fashioned experience for me in, in watching a live stream. I've gotten so comfortable and used to Hulu and, and uh, Disney Plus and, and all of the you know, direct TV stream, even doing these live streams that, that you don't even think about them going down. It, it took me back to the old uh, HBO Now days when the Game of Thrones premiere would stream and you'd be like, ah, you, you should have known it was going to go down. You should have known there were this many people. 
I love the fact that old-fashioned viewing experience is code for trying to do the right thing, being defeated so often that you say, <laughs> screw it, and go to piracy. <laughs> that, is, go? that is because you're right. We're spoiled by, by the option of doing the right thing nowadays. And, and what's funny about it, uh, and, and I get why it's not allowed to, to restream it on Twitch. I, I, I get that. Uh, but it was a free concert. So, you know, the, all they needed were the eyeballs to see the ads uh, that they played. And the eyeballs did see the ads that they played. So uh, they just didn't have a way to count them. Uh, if it was if not this on Brian platform. may attempt to Tom this. Uh, now, Tom, you know that that's not just the free content. They also log the analytics. That's what make yep. all of this possible. Yep. Yep, exactly. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's a testament to the fact, uh, that when a company is, is new to a, a certain level of streaming, uh, they will always under budget the, the, uh, the, the resources that they will give the engineers. And I, I'm just imagining some engineer at each one of these services going, I told you to quadruple that number and <laughs> you, you just cheaped out. Oh, well, this is what you get. Uh, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, I got a got a, got a short one for you today. We're uh, uh, bringing back an old classic on the Spoiler in Time podcast this evening. It's one Miami Vice is coming back to our weekly watch club. So uh, please make sure you join us on this. Uh, a thing that we found out since we last watched Miami Vice is that it is no longer streaming for free or as part of a service anywhere. It used to be on Peacock. It was also on the NBC app, uh, mm -hmm. very frustratingly. Um, and now both of those are gone. So we've had to buy episodes. I'm, I'm buying them on the Apple store. They're like two bucks each. Not the worst thing in the world. They're but. pretty much two bucks everywhere I looked. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was a shock when I, I went to the Apple TV row and the the episode I had queued it up uh, for whenever we got around to watching it. The episode was there with a, a little screen cap of, of William Hurt. No, not William Hurt. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, Bill Paxton. Uh, uh, you know, different person. Uh, Completely different no person entirely. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But aren't they both dead? Anyway. We'll just, uh, we'll, just, wow, it's a, we'll just edit all of this out. Don't worry about it, Tom. Why don't you just take it again? Just just leave it in. Just leave it in. It's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, I, I went to start it, and uh, instead of launching Peacock, it, it launched a store. And I was like, I immediately was like, oh, well, where did it go? I can't. Only available for, for purchase. Such Crazy. a bummer. Because... Yeah. That's a good show. It, anyway, it, it can't be too long. I mean, it's it's got to be one of those things where now they're going to shop it. It's going to be bundled with something. It'll show up. Somewhere. We should be mad that they took it off of Peacock, just like HBO did with all of their stuff. I think what happened is it got too popular because we're rewatching it. Uh, Miami so Vice like, Fever has gripped the nation. <laughs> yeah. So, let's cash in and make them pay. So we're talking about uh, episode uh, 10 from season three this week called uh, uh, what is it? Streetwise. Uh, keep an eye out on the show notes and cordkillers.com for all of the Miami Vices and all of the spoiler in time that we're doing every week. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. I got a yeah, question for you, Tom. How are they going to... Uh, email that address. Well, uh, they could fire up their neighbor account <laughs> <laughs> and go into their electronic mail uh, and and uh, and and send us uh, an email. But but Brian, uh, they they need a computer for that. Uh, yeah, or they could go to doghousesystems.com slash road. Keep us alive. Will they they are, they run our 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 morphine drips? Um, <laughs> doghousesystems.com slash road. Spell it right. R O G U E.
Doghouse Systems does not provide morphine. Uh, you can also email me oh. uh, when you subscribe to my email. I, I do an email called Free Tom Newsletter, uh, where I just talk to folks about what's going on. I provide links to all the shows, including this one, uh, in in the in the email. Uh, it's uh, freetomnewsletter.com, uh, and you can respond to it. And and this week, I just kind of talked about what was on my mind, and I got dozens of people writing back uh, this week, and it was really fun to have conversations with people and everything. So if if you want to hear what I'm up to, keep up with all my shows, uh, and have a conversation, just go to freetimenewsletter.com. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Roku announced eight new smart home devices last week. Uh, they got some lights, they got some cameras, they got some doorbells, they got some smart plugs, and they're all, of course, controllable from the Roku OS. You can also control them with a Roku smart home app on your phone that is separate from the Roku app, and you can control them by voice using the Roku remote. Uh, Roku is not making these devices themselves. They're basically rebranding stuff that is made by Wise, W-Y-Z-E, but they're integrated into the Roku OS. So for example, the Roku video doorbell can do that thing that that some other doorbells do where they send a picture in picture view to a TV. But if you have a Roku TV and you have a Roku doorbell, that's going to work really easy. Uh, And then you can see if if it's a package or, or a pet's walking by or whatever. Devices are also compatible with Google Assistant and Amazon. Uh, so you can control them with those systems as well. They will be coming in early November. If you follow the smart home system, you may be wondering like, hey, are these Matter compliant? Uh, Roku is a member of the Matter working group, but they are not Matter compliant. Uh, if you know, you know. The devices are available now with cameras starting at $27. You can order online or wait for them to show up inside Walmart on October 17th, which is the day we're recording this. So they should be available everywhere you look. Uh, once again, I think I said this a little confusingly, the support for Google Assistant and Amazon is coming early November. So if you buy it today, it won't work with Amazon out of the box, uh, but you will get a firmware update later to do that. But you can buy them now. So if you want, go do that. (laughs) And the 4K Google Chromecast that came out in 2020, it's getting an update to Android 12. This adds a frame rate matching feature that should reduce judder and adds new settings for HDR and surround sound. Also, today I had to see if uh, Tom meant to say jitter and found out that jitter is the real word and jitter, I was wrong my whole life. I was today many days old when I found it out. Jitter is a network thing. Jitter is a video thing. Do I have that right? Yep. That, uh, that's that's what I found out when I, when I looked it up. Yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks to G Connery on Twitter for pointing this one out. Uh, the number of UK homes with one or more paid streaming subscriptions fell by 234,000 in Q3, according to Cantor World Panel. Uh, That means the number of UK homes that just don't pay for streaming from anybody fell by 234,000. But among those who are keeping services, they're spending more. They're adding services. Uh, The number of overall subscriptions in the UK rose to bring the average per home up to 2.5, for a total of 28.2 million, which is up 108,000 subscriptions. So 234,000 people just stopped altogether, but overall there are 108,000 more subscriptions uh, than there were before. In summary, more people are cutting out paid streaming to save money, but those who can afford streaming are adding services. Of those people who subscribe to a streaming service, almost none of them give it up. Streaming (laughs) services, not even once. (laughs) 
No, 234,000 gave it up. But I know, but that, it, that's, a, that's a small, everyone else just descended into a spot. It's, it's, it's streamer madness, yeah. I tell you. Yeah, get out or, or, you're, or you're done. <laughs> that's what you're saying right? uh, 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 no I, I'm just surprised that the number was that large I would think that anybody who tried a streaming service would fall in love with it the way I have but then it occurred to me that uh, uh, people like different things uh, Digiday's sources report that Apple is considering running some ads on its TV shows this is all in the considering it stage so who knows if this is going to be implemented but one could guess that maybe free versions of new shows would have ads but however it works uh, Apple would use first party data this is data that it already knows about and users from its own products like maps and music and such to target ads so it won't need to change any of its privacy policies to do it all this stuff as i understand it tom is included the moment you said except on your iphone or whatever apple's just big enough that maybe they can dodge having to make friends with nielsen the way netflix is yeah, so I, I see so many journalists trying to turn this into a bad story and, and they keep running into the roadblock of, oh, but Apple already knows this about you. And Apple isn't sharing it with anyone else. It's first party data. What, what everybody gets bent out of shape out is third party data, right? Where Apple knows some stuff about you because you subscribe to Apple Music and use an iPhone. And then it shows that information to somebody else who then goes and sells it. And then your information has left Apple. Uh, this is stuff where you're like, yeah, I subscribe to Apple Music, so of course Apple knows what music I listen to. That's kind of the point of the service. Uh, and Apple's like, great, we're not going to tell anyone else that, but because we know it about you, we can make sure that we show ads for the music you listen to instead of ads for the music you don't listen to. At least that's the theory. And whether it works in practice that as well that way or not is left to be determined. But it's interesting that Apple's like, we have so many users that we, we don't need third-party data. We can just sell ads to our customers because they're in our walled garden. Well, and also, if you're going to play that game, you have to keep your group, your in-tribe, very, very happy. And uh, as somebody who's only dipped a toe into the iOS side of things, in general, I've been very impressed with the way Apple seems to take very seriously your privacy, your security. They gave the middle finger to Facebook by pretty much just disabling a huge chunk of their revenues. Uh, they gave the middle finger to the U.S. government saying we won't hack and break our own devices. Uh, uh, I would say that they've earned that ability and like, I won't be switching phones based on this. And I think a lot of other people won't as well. Uh, yeah, it depends. Uh, if, if they make the ads intrusive, I might get, you know, a little frustrated with it. Uh, if they were to make, uh, their services unusable cause they were plastering ads everywhere. I very much might switch. Uh, but I'm, I'll wait and see how they do it. Uh, right now, Apple puts ads in major league baseball that they stream for free, uh, on Apple TV plus, you don't even have to pay for Apple TV plus to get it. And honestly, the, the ads are less intrusive than the ads I see on most streaming sports. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because they can't sell ads very well or it's just an Apple way to do it. But they seem like they have fewer of them and they and I remember them less, which probably isn't good for ads. But <laughs> there you go. Uh, a few other things here. Dune Part 2 is coming to theaters November 3rd. That's two weeks earlier than the original November 17th date. It takes the date freed up by Blade, which has been moved off to September 6th, 2024. 
the TV show Dune the Sisterhood is shooting at the same time as Dune Part 2, uh, and they are both being shot in Budapest. So, I don't know, might be some chance for a crossover. By the way, that's November next year, not November this year. Uh, YouTube Originals will launch Behind the Beats on November 18th, a series of four-minute episodes for YouTube kids that tells how musicians came together to create a new genre of music. Uh, so it'll include Blondie, Snoop Dogg, L7, among others. A trailer is out for yet another take on A Christmas Carol, this time with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds doing a musical version called Spirited. That comes to Apple TV Plus November 11th. Uh, and it, they really took some liberties with the story. It doesn't even have Scrooge. It has like another modern guy being like Scrooge. And he makes the ghost of Christmas present look at his past. Uh Sounds funny. And Apple released a trailer for season three of Mythic Quest arriving November 11th and running through January 6th. Uh, is it just me or did, did this Dune part two sneak up on me? Like, I, I don't see a lot of ads, but I would think that that's 2023. Something... I, oh, oh. I, that's why I, okay. I gave that quick clarification there. <laughs> Coming to theaters November Sorry. 3rd, 2023. Uh, totally missed. I was like two weeks. What? Yeah. yeah <laughs> no. So yeah, you haven't missed anything. It's coming next year. Okay, but but season three of Mythic, Mythic Quest is just around the corner. Uh, November 11th, 2022. And I definitely yes. missed season two because it was very apparent when I watched the trailer for season three. <laughs> it was like, whoops. Hey, now you got more Mythic Quest if you're into it. Right? Yeah. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Anthony heard us talking about Slingbox last week and wrote, my God, was Slingbox cool back in the day. Around 2005 to 2010, when it was used in my family, I was around the ages of 9 to 14, and it was so cool to be able to watch TV from a not-TV my dad had the one with the tuner built inside just for standard cable, and my grandfather had the one that could interact with a cable box, and he even rented a DVR cable box so he could DVR things and watch them or live pause TV outside the house or inside the house so he could have it up on a computer screen while working. What a time. And then when the iPhone came around and could have apps, it was so novel that you could watch live TV on a mobile device with a widescreen. Not so cool was the $30 price for the app, but hey, do you want to watch TV or not? Yeah, man. Uh, also, we got an email from Amar, uh, who we haven't heard to, from in a bit. He says uh, he came across a video claiming that binge watching was harming television, and he thinks he might agree. The standard of television has changed from whatever it is. It's got to be good enough for you to come back next week. Now it just has to be not so bad that you're willing to turn off the autoplay and switch to something else. It's led to some uh, less op episodic forms of television. He points out that it's weird that She-Hulk is one of the most episodic shows he's seen on streaming recently. But for the most part, when he looks at the MCU fair, you basically looks like one long movie. And it sounds like uh, Omar's not a fan of that. I, I, I think there's a place for everyone here. I think it's a big tent. And I think the, that the fact that She-Hulk exists and also Devs exists, uh, as you pointed out, is an indication that there's a place for both. Yeah. Uh, and all the Marvel stuff is week to week. Um, they, they're, they're, they're designed to for the thing you're saying, which is like watch an episode and then want to come back next week. They're, I, they're not released all at once. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's how Hawkeye was designed. I don't think well, it was designed to be. I'm week just saying week, like they are the released week to week with the idea of like, okay, you're going to see only this one. You're not going to autoplay into the next one. That that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I guess, man, I just wish 
that I could know going into a thing whether or not in advance it was going to be better as a binge or as a week over week because there are some things yeah. that are definitely better. Week, I think I think She-Hulk has been, as he points out, fantastic week over week. It's been something to chat about. Uh, th- there's there's a principle that sometimes when we get too close, we're like, I think this show is bad and this show is this way, and so I think that way makes things bad. Uh, where if you back far enough out, if it's bad, people won't watch it. And if they don't watch it, then they'll stop making the show that way. Uh, I think some of these shows are slow and work well on autoplay because people want that. Now, you may not want that, and I may not want that, but if enough people want it, they'll keep making shows that play in the background because people play stuff in the background. And I, I think that is behind a lot of what Netflix does. Certainly Lost in Space is a show I really enjoyed, but I felt like it was so slow that I needed to be doing something else while watching it. A lot of the Netflix movies I have enjoyed because I was doing something else while watching it. And I think that's intentional. I think Netflix isn't making a worse show. They're saying we're making a show for this use case. Uh, flip uh, On the flip side, man, personally, uh, and or every episode has been so so intense and fun for me that I've enjoyed having a full week to kind of let stuff digest. And, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning, right? Right. Which I think is ultimately the case. Uh, there's, there's room for both. Yeah. Well, with that, we end our show. Thank you everyone for being with us. Uh, don't forget to check out the website and get uh, show notes there and links to everything we talk about in the show, cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra- they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're fine. We're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>